dear listener, it's a great joy that you choose to join me. This is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Please keep tuned to this station until the end. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mahangi. This is your favorite new life program with interesting segments just for you. Patron will be having the family life segment by Pastor Kigundun Dwiga. Today, he will be talking about 10 things you need to know about affairs. Thereafter, we'll be having a Bible segment by Pastor Prusinanga. Today's topic is about future attitude. Before that, here's a song, Tegemea Buona by Injili Family Choir.
you've been blessed with that lovely song. Thank you for staying tuned. Let us now prepare to listen to Pastor Kigundu Ndriga. Welcome, Pastor. Dear listener, I want to welcome you to our series, The Abundant Life. It's based on uh, John 10, verse 10, where Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am convinced that this abundant life also involves our marriages. Today, I want us to look at the 10 things you need to know about affairs. I can't tell you the number of people, dear listener, who tell themselves early in marriage, if my spouse ever has an affair, I am out of here. And then it happens. Their spouse was unfaithful. That's when reality sets in. It is easy to think you leave if your spouse betrays you. But when confronted with the reality of divorce and dissolving your marriage, the stakes are really high. It's not that overcoming the devastation of infidelity is easy. It isn't. But it can be done. In fact, believe it or not, most people decide to stay in their marriages even after infidelity. The important thing is to address the issue that might have led to the infidelity and get the necessary help to recover. Dear listener, divorce isn't the solution, particularly when the unfaithful spouse is remorseful and devoted to changing. Here are some things you need to know if you are going to deal with the fallout of infidelity in your marriage. The first thing you need to know is that betrayal is in the eye of the beholder. Many times people want to know the definition of betrayal. To some, it is about having intercourse and other sexual contact with another person. To others, betrayal is more about one spouse feeling emotionally connected to someone else. Late conversations of a personal nature with a co-worker or an ongoing intimate friendship with another person. To others, it is secrecy. This may involve secret email accounts, cell phones, internet behavior, or an unwillingness to share information about whereabouts, spending habits, or life plans. The fact is, there is no universal definition of betrayal. When two people are married, they must care about each other's feelings. They don't always have to agree, but they must behave in ways that make their relationship feel safe. Therefore, if one person feels threatened or betrayed, 
his or her spouse must do some soul searching and change in ways to accommodate these feelings. In other words, betrayal is in the eye of the beholder. If you or your partner feels betrayed, you need to change what you are doing to make the marriage work. Fact number two. Infidelity is not a marital deal breaker. Many people think that affairs signal the end of a marriage. This is simply not true. Although healing from infidelity is a challenging endeavor, most marriages not only survive, but they can actually grow from the experience. This is not to say that affairs are good for the marriage. No, they aren't. Affairs are very, very destructive because the bond of trust has been broken. But after years of working with couples who have experienced betrayal and affairs, I can vouch for the fact that it is possible to get marriages back on track and rediscover trust, caring friendships, and passion. Fact number three, most affairs end. It is important to know that while affairs can be incredibly sexy, compelling, addictive, and renewing, most of them end. That's because after the thrill wears off, most people recognize that everyone, even their fair partner, is a package deal. This means that we all have good points and bad points. When two people are in the throes of infatuation, they are only focusing on what's good. This is short-lived, generally speaking. That's because reality sets in and infatuation fades. If the betrayed spouse doesn't run to a divorce attorney prematurely, it's entirely possible and even likely that an affair will die a natural end. Fact number four. Because betrayal is so threatening to marriage and so devastating, many people feel they are losing their minds when they learn that their spouse has been cheating. They can't eat, sleep, work, think, or function in any substantial way. This causes another layer of concern and self-doubt which often leads to depression and anxiety. It is important to know that finding out one's spouse is cheating can be extremely traumatic. In fact, current research suggests that betrayed spouses exhibit similar symptoms to post-traumatic stress syndrome. It is a major loss, and as with most losses, betrayal is intensely disorienting and distressing. Fact number five, you are not alone. Although when infidelity occurs, the betrayed spouse feels alone and lonely, it is essential to keep in mind that countless people have experienced the same problems and have felt the same way. This offers little consolation. One first learns about his or her spouse's affair, but over time it takes the sting out of that feeling. It would be wonderful if everyone upheld their marital vows, but the truth is that doesn't happen. It should, but it doesn't. The good news is that there is a great deal of support available because many people have walked in your shoes and can be empathetic to your feelings. Fact number six. It helps to get help. But beyond talking with those who have experienced infidelity in their own marriages, it helps to get professional help. Feelings that surface after the discovery of an affair are often so overwhelming that it is difficult to know what to do to begin to get your marriage back on track. A good marriage therapist or a marriage education class can help lead the way. But be certain to seek help that is marriage-friendly. 
Some therapists believe that infidelity destroys the fabric of a relationship which cannot be repaired. These therapists declare marriage dead on arrival. It is essential you get a good referral if you want your marriage to recover. Fact number seven, healing takes time. Although people naturally want to be pain-free as quickly as possible, when it comes to healing from infidelity, it just isn't going to happen. In fact, if things are business as usual too quickly, it probably just means that intense feelings have been swept under the carpet. This will not help in the long run. In order for marriage to mend, it takes a great deal of hard work to confront all the necessary issues. This takes time often years to truly get things back on track. When couples enter my office and they have been dealing with the aftermath of infidelity for a year or so and they are still struggling, they think something is wrong with them. When I hear them, I tell them that nothing is wrong with them because the pain is still fresh and the news of infidelity takes time to go. Yes, even a year after learning about betrayal isn't a very long time. Healing from infidelity is a slow process for most people. Number eight, you need to count on ups and downs. One of the most frustrating and confusing aspects to the healing process is the fact that just when people think that things have improved and are resolved, then there is another major setback. It is three steps forward and two steps backward. This is not surprising at all. That's just because the path to recovery is not a straight line. It is jagged and beset with many, many ups and downs. I tell people that it is two steps forward and one step back. Unfortunately, when people have a setback, they believe that they have slid back to square one. This is not the case. Every setback is a bit different. And as long as there is a general upward trend, progress is being made. Maintaining patience is difficult, but it is absolutely necessary. Don't give up when there has been a relapse. Just get back on track. Number nine, don't be quick to tell friends and family. It is important not to be too quick to tell friends and family about the problem of infidelity. If everyone in one's family is appraised of the infidelity, even if the marriage improves, family members may not support the idea of staying in that marriage. They may pressure the betrayed spouse to leave. So while emotional support during this rough time is absolutely necessary, it's important to get professional help or talk to friends or family who will support the marriage and be less judgmental. Those people should have the perspective that no one is perfect, Everyone makes mistakes, and as long as the unfaithful spouse takes a responsibility to change, marriages can be mended. Lastly, number 10, you won't forget, but forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. When there has been infidelity, people just don't forget about it. In fact, they don't ever forget it. What does happen is that memories of the discovery and the pain tend to fade. The thoughts about betrayal become less frequent and less intense over time. And the good news is that people should not forget because we all learn from our experiences, both good and bad. And although people don't forget betrayals or affairs, forgiveness is mandatory 
not to let the unfaithful person off the hook, but because holding a grudge shackles people to the past. It is bad for one's health, both emotionally, physically, and spiritually. There is no intimacy when there is a grudge. Life is painful because there is a wall separating people. When betrayed spouses allow themselves to have feelings of forgiveness, life lightens up. It is freeing. Love begins to flow again. Letting go of the past begins to make room for happiness in the present. So, dear listener, forgiveness isn't meant for the unfaithful. Remember, it is a gift betrayed spouses give themselves. that you've enjoyed that family life segment this is the new life program coming to you from adventist world radio the voice of hope do not forget to send us your thoughts about this program by writing to the producer adventist world radio p.o box 42276 code 00100 nairobi kenya or email us through awr nairobi at ek.adventist.org let us now hear from Anjili family choir with the song uhuru <music>
thank you once again for staying tuned to our station. Let us now give room to Pastor Prosin Nanga. Be blessed. Hello listeners, in our previous series we talked about the topic Back to the Future. In this topic we learned about what we expect to be in the future and the trust in God is the basis of the Christian hope. We hope to have personal fellowship and also service and the end as the goal. At the end there will be recovery and restoration and fulfillment when the end comes. Today our topic is the attitude towards the future. Without proper attitude toward the future, all our concepts of the future are valueless, however detailed and well-argued they may be. Hope never views future with a calm detachment. The hoped-for future is not something that hasn't happened yet. Hope makes personal investment in the future. It views future in personal terms, sees future as my future. Therefore, when I behave the way I behave is because I am hoping for something. Therefore, we all invest our personal investment in the future because we hope. It also involves a strong desire for the realization of its object. Those who hope are those who love. The goal of their existence is hope. The future which the believers anticipate will transform and surpass the present so that the enterprises of the present, however important they may be, they cannot occupy all our attention because we are living for the future. Health, careers, families, societies, and all are legitimate objects of concern, but they do not singly or collectively exhaust our interest. Hope directs us beyond the present order to something superior that is yet to come. It underlines the not yet that is essential to our Christian hope. Therefore, when we are dressing, when we are eating, when we are doing anything, we are all doing this in anticipation of the future. If we hope for the best in the future, then we have to live the best. And doing our best is one of the basic needs in Africa today. Many times we do our jobs, we do everything, but not to our best. But when we are expecting the best in the future, then we should do all our best to live the best. Hope emphasizes the priority of the future, but it also leads us to appreciate the present and commit ourselves to living constructively now. Because hope sees the future in direct relation to the present, in hope the end of history and the last things are never far away at some distance in point of time. They are always near at hand, even at the doors. For hope then, the future impinges on the present. It threatens to break in at any time. When we have hope, we hope that the future is near at the door. But when we place the future to be very far, then we are losing hope. May God help us that we may revive our hope, that we may see the future to be near at the door, so that we may be prepared to meet him when he comes on the clouds. Are you ready? What is your attitude toward the future? Are you ready to meet Jesus Christ? And our following session will learn about the three Christian virtues as regards hope. We are grateful for the time you've accorded us right here. Let us meet right here again on Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Do not forget to send us your thoughts about this program. 
Send them to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276-00100, Nairobi, Kenya. Our email address is awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. I've been a presenter, Samuel Mangi, and may our God be with you until next time. Stay safe, stay blessed. Jungle